If you're an author or plan to be one, get excited because this podcast is for you. Book Marketing Mentors is the only podcast dedicated to helping you successfully market and sell your book. If you're ready for empowering conversations with successful marketing mavens, then grab a coffee or tea and listen in to your host, international best-selling author, Susan Friedman. Welcome to Book Marketing Mentors, the weekly podcast where you learn proven strategies, tools, ideas, and tips from the masters. Every week, I introduce you to a marketing master who will share their expertise to help you market and sell more books. Today, my special guest is known as the Simple Planning Specialist. Laura Posey has a unique ability to simply and easily laser focus her clients to get dramatic results. Her simple strategic plan is used by over 2,500 companies from startups to Fortune 100. Laura is an internationally recognized speaker, author, and consultant, and the creator of over 40 online training courses designed to help entrepreneurs grow their companies while taking more time off to enjoy their lives. She's the author of How to Plan Your Entire Year on One Sheet of Paper and co-author with Jack Canfield of Mastering the Art of Success. She's crazy about dogs, golf, and travel. Laura, what an absolute pleasure it is to welcome you to the show, and thank you for being this week's guest expert and mentor. I'm so happy to be here, Susan. Thank you for inviting me. Laura, you know that I found you through a speaker colleague, David Newman, who was one of my guests on the show as well. And I just fell in love with your whole idea of planning simply. And I'm just like, okay, I've got to have this lady on the show because what she says makes so much sense. Let's start off by understanding the concept of simple planning. Simple planning is really about deciding what it is that you want to have in your life and what kind of business you want to build and then figuring out how you're going to get there, but simplifying the steps and the stages that you're going to take and really prioritizing them. The reason we use one sheet of paper for simple planning is because it forces constraints. It forces you to decide what is the most important thing for me? What do I really want? Because it has to fit on that one sheet of paper and we don't let you change the font size to make it crammed in there. That's so funny. Yes, because when I think of planning or goal setting, I think of pages and pages of things that, yes, they sound nice, and there are lots of things that you want to do, but somehow they get forgotten about in sort of the daily oh, way things go. I love the idea of one sheet of paper. You talk about planning your entire year on one sheet of paper. That to me almost just doesn't make sense, but uh, <laughs> how do we go about doing that? <laughs> well, it's, let's talk about what goes on that one sheet of paper. There's something that we do before we get to the one sheet, and that is to look at your life vision. How do you want to live? Do you want to, to be someone who's traveling a lot? Do you like to stay home? We have a kind of an eight-part framework that looks at 
you know, how much money do you want to have coming in? Do you want to live in one place? Do you want to have a second home? What are all the things that you want in your life so that you can then go build a business that can deliver that for you? Off the page, we do the life vision, but that really informs the business vision and understanding what it is that you want to build to make your life happy. I use the analogy a lot of if you're going to build your dream house, the first thing you do is you imagine what it's going to be. How many bedrooms? How many bathrooms? Open floor plan, closed floor plan, two-story, one-story, traditional, contemporary. And you really think through, how am I going to live in this house? How is this going to make my life better? And then from that vision in your mind, you take those ideas, you draw them out, and then you create a blueprint. And from the blueprint, you create a punch list. And then other people can actually build your house for you. It's the same thing with this one piece of paper. I'd like you to think of that as the blueprint. At the beginning, we start with that business vision. How big is the business? How much revenue? What types of profit margins are you having? Do you have a team? And if so, do you have them in-house or are they remote? Are they employees or contractors? But really thinking about how you want this business to run. What do you want to be known for in your business? How do you want to give back? Again, there's an eight-part framework that we, we work through to get all the details in there. But we, we want to know what is it that you're trying to build? And so we work through what does that look like in your head? And then we go, the next step we go into is your business values, your core values. Because throughout your business, you're going to be working with other people, whether they are team members who are contractors or employees or clients that you're selling to or vendors. And one of the most important things to do in business is to work with people that share your same values. And at no time in my business career has that ever been clearer or more important, particularly as the world is polarizing a little bit more right now. It's really helpful to get clear on what your core values are so that you can find other people that share those values. Because I can tell you again from experience, there's nothing worse than taking a check from a client and a little while later realizing that you absolutely hate them. You don't like what they stand for. You don't like the way they treat you. You don't like the way they treat other people. And you just want to give the check back and run away. The second thing that goes on your sheet is your core values. Then from there, your business vision is probably several years out, you know, probably about five years to build the thing that you're absolutely dreaming of. And so we want to drill down into some narrower timeframes. And we start with looking at where do you want to be in three years? What are four things that you want to have accomplished, milestones that you want to have achieved on the way to your business vision? And then we drill it down one more step to where do you want to be in a year? And that's where we start really getting serious about achievement. Because the three-year targets and the vision are to make sure that whatever we're doing now, today, and in this year is aligned with where we ultimately want to go. I've seen so many people, myself included, start to build businesses or build fully formed businesses that they end up hating because they're not ultimately in alignment with that business vision. And so we want to set four one-year goals. And, you know, typically there are things like how much revenue do I want to have, or maybe it's how many books do I want to sell, or how many new consulting clients do I want to bring on, or how much do I want to have saved by the end of the year? Those are examples of goals. And then we have to get really serious on this sheet of paper about, well, how are we going to do that? 
right? Because achieving bigger goals requires change. And one way we can change is we can just work harder. But I don't know anybody that chooses that as their number one way to grow. We can look at goals and break them down into two different types of change and two types of activities, if you will. So one thing that we want to look at is what are the weekly activities that you have to do that are going to drive you towards your biggest goals? One of those things might be maybe it's the number of new LinkedIn connections that you make. And every single week you have an activity that I'm going to have at least 10 new LinkedIn connections. Or maybe it's blogging. Maybe you want to make sure you have at least one new quality blog post published every single week. Or, you know, in the old school way, it was how many cold calls am I going to make? Or how many networking events am I going to go to? We want to look at those weekly activities. What do I have to do every single week to make sure that I'm making progress towards my goals, that I'm prospecting, that I'm driving revenue into my business? On the other side is the the project that have to get done, the big changes, the things in your business that have to be created or altered or improved, or even they might disappear altogether. So projects include things like writing a book. That's a project. And a lot of people confuse that with a goal. And the book is not the goal. Selling of the book and the making of the money of the book, that would be the goal. A project might be writing the book. A project could be hiring a virtual assistant to help you or something along those lines. There could be launching an online course. There are lots and there could be building your first website. Lots of, of different kinds of projects that can happen. And that all goes on that one sheet of paper. And what we do then is we take those projects and we lay them out over the quarters of the year. And we decide which projects are going to get done in which quarter. And I'll give you a little productivity hint. You are not doing all the projects in the first quarter at the same time. That is a recipe for failure. We want to just map out which projects need to come first and which ones can I push off towards the end of the year. And then we take this next quarter and just this next quarter and we take those projects and we break them down into smaller tasks. And those are the things that go on our daily list of things we got to do to drive the business forward. Wow, that's a lot to take in. My goodness, I'm like frantically writing notes here. a bit of a rant there. One of the things that was going through my mind, Laura, as you were talking about all these is like, okay, that's all well and good, but how do I actually stay on track? Because I suffer from this bright, shiny object syndrome. (laughs) Yeah. I think you've come across that one before. Yeah, I I have it. So I understand it really well. One of the really powerful things about having a plan and having a one-page plan, because you can look at it every day, is deciding what to do is really simple. If it's on my plan, I do it. If it's not on my plan, I put it on my not now list. So all of those great opportunities that show up that look like, oh, like, oh, look at that online course. I should do that. That's awesome. It's only eight hours of content, right? Like, I'm going to do that. I'm going to sign up for this. Oh, get excited. I'm going to grow my business with this magic pill. And all of those things, you can do them, but not until the things that are on the plan are done. So you just put them on your not now list. 
And what's fabulous about a not now list is that when you get the things done in your plan and you go over to your not now list, all that stuff that in the moment seemed so exciting and so fabulous with a little bit of distance, when you look at it, about 90% of it, you're going to look at and think, this is absolute crap. And I'm so glad I didn't do that. That would have been a complete diversion. What a waste of time. I'm never going to do that. And I'm scratching it off my not now list. It's absolutely wonderful. That's the primary way to get over the bright, shiny object syndrome. If it's on your plan, you do it. If it's not, it goes on the not now list. I like that a lot. Now, I recently read an article that you wrote about procrastination. It's not your problem. Talk to us more about that, because that's a biggie, a whole idea of procrastinating. We all procrastinate, right? And there's a million different reasons that people think they procrastinate. But for the majority of us, when we have a nice list of things we're supposed to do, whether it's an electronic list or it's on a piece of paper, and we look at this list and we think, oh my goodness, I don't want to do any of that. Let me go check Facebook for a minute and then I'll come back to this list. It's really only a function of chemistry. So uh, let me give you a little neurochemistry lesson here. And if I get too much on my soapbox, you can jump in. But one of the challenges of being human in the 21st century is that we are all addicted to dopamine. It is a lovely little chemical that gives us a warm, fuzzy feeling. It gives us a sense of satisfaction. And we get it primarily in two ways. The first way we get a shot of dopamine to make our brain happy is when we're seeing something that's new or interesting, or there's the possibility of something being new or interesting. So for example, when you're scrolling through Facebook, you are getting shots of dopamine because the next scroll, there might be something really fabulous there. When you go to check your email or you just click on your phone and look at the notifications that have come up on the home screen, you're getting a shot of dopamine because there's that sense of, ooh, there might be something new and interesting there. And your body for a moment gets this lovely, ooh, that feels good. I scratched the dopamine itch. The other way that we get a shot of dopamine is by completing something. If you've ever had a list full of tasks and you've very carefully gone through and checked off all the little easy ones really quickly, and you felt so good, like I checked that off, I checked that off, I got that done, I got that done, I got that done. You've gotten that dopamine hit that feels really good. It's the same thing that happens when we're playing a video game or something, even playing solitaire online. When you win a hand or you level up in something, you get a nice shot of dopamine in your brain. And we are just wired to crave this dopamine. So the the challenge happens when we look at our to-do list. And if we're looking at our to-do list, and if our brain scans through that list and doesn't right away see an opportunity to get some dopamine, it's going to wander off into another neighborhood where it knows the dopamine dealers live. It's going to go to Facebook. It's going to go check email. It's going to go do something. You might, if you're working from home right now, you might get up and go, I'm going to go do a load of laundry real quick because it gives you that sense of completion or you're going and looking at something that's novel. How about chocolate? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's a different chemical. Chocolate actually gives you a little bit of oxytocin, which is interesting, but we can get some dopamine from chocolate as well. Yeah. 
if you're sitting at your desk and you're not getting those hits of dopamine, you're going to wander off. We just label that general wandering off procrastination. Like we think that we're putting things off for something other than just this simple chemical reason. And so if we can just take our tasks and write them in a way that works with our dopamine addiction instead of against it, we will plow through our to-do list happily because we're going to get continuous shots of dopamine. I'll give you an example of how to write a task in such a way that, that your brain goes, oh yeah, got it, dopamine right there, I'm doing that. Let's say you're doing some research for a book and there's a particular topic that you want to research. Can you think of a, a topic someone might research for a book? Oh, it could be any kind of motivation or sales, sales or marketing. Okay. Let's say I want to do some research on sales techniques in the IT field. It's really niche down here. And so if I just write on my task list, research sales techniques, which is often what we do, we write little short, quick tasks. When my brain looks at that, it goes, research sales techniques. In just a couple of seconds, if my brain can't picture me doing that, like taking action on that task, it's moving on. It's going someplace, it's going to go to another task, it's going to scan down the list, or I'm getting up and going someplace else. But we can just change that task in a really small way. Instead of saying research sales techniques, we could write the task this way. Google, quote, sales techniques in IT, end quote. And when we write it that way, when the task is to Google something, because Google is now a verb, our brain goes, oh, I know exactly how to Google something. I open my browser, I go to Google, I type something in the search bar, and I've even put the term in there that I'm going to search. Boom. And now I'm fully engaged in that task, and I'm off and running, and I've gotten started. And once I've gotten started on that task, I'm going to be doing my research. I'm going to be looking, and I'm going to go down the deep hole of the internet, but I'm going to go like, oh, what are the top five things that come up? Let me write those down and let me go look and see what some of the pros and cons of each of these techniques are. And so you just the nail on the head there. The whole idea of just getting started is often one of the hardest things to do. I'm going to focus you on mistakes, Laura. Let's talk about some (laughs) big mistakes that people make in this arena. Yeah, so I think uh, one of the big mistakes is not breaking things down into small enough pieces when they're trying to get things done. Remember, your brain wants to accomplish things. So if you're good at checking little things off your to-do list, give yourself little things to do so that you can get that chemical hit and you can move forward and you can get excited about your task list. That's one of the big things that I see. One of the the other things that I see kind of goes back to the one page piece is I see people just really trying to bite off too much. All of the the psychological studies show that we so deeply, vastly, amazingly underestimate how long it's going to take to get anything done. And so, you know, I'll see people saying, oh, I'm going to write this book in three weeks. Okay, well, let's like really look at what it takes to write a book. 
you might get some words down on paper, but getting the book done is not going to happen that fast. And so I see people saying, well, this quarter I'm going to write a book and I'm going to launch an online course and I'm going to update my website and I'm going to do a complete social media calendar and I'm going to hire a virtual assistant. I was like, whoa, you may be a productivity machine, but you're not going to get it all done. So let's prioritize and let's figure out what are you going to do first and let's get that going. And then we can layer on some more things. Those are some of the huge mistakes that I see people making. It's funny because as you're saying them, I'm nodding away here. I'm like, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> <laughs> We've all done it. And it's it's just been ingrained to us. These are the habits that we have. And when we just twist things just a little bit and slow it down and break it down a little bit more, it's just phenomenal how much people get accomplished. I have so many clients who have set their five-year visions and are achieving them in two or three years because they're getting so much done. Well, that's exciting. And what excites me too about you is your excitement and passion for what you're doing. I mean, because that in and of itself is contagious. It's like, I want what she's got. She's got that (laughs) dopamine. I want some of it. (laughs) I tell you, it really is fun to sit down to your desk and know, I'm going to make massive progress today. And then to get up from your desk at the end of the day and to look back and say, I've made massive progress today. It's just this wonderful sense of confidence and security, knowing that you're driving forward every single day. Yeah, I have this tendency that I've got this list of things that I want to do. And I focus on the things that I haven't done at the end of the day, rather than the things that I have done. And so I might beat myself up. Oh, my goodness, I didn't get it all done. Oh, I'll have to do it again tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we'll teach you how to plan your day so that you do get it all done. One of the things that we use is a daily success checklist, and it has sort of three parts to it. The first column is things that you're doing to prepare for your day, your success habits. The middle section is the key three things that you have to get done no matter what. And then the last piece is my favorite part, which is the reflection, where you look back and say, where did I make the most progress? What did I learn? Is there anything I'm going to do differently tomorrow? And then there's a section at the bottom to list the things that you're grateful for. And it really closes the day out with a feeling of success. Yeah, I feel successful just listening to you say that. (laughs) (laughs) Laura, if... Uh, listeners want to find out more about you and your services and your simple planning techniques, strategic plans. How can they do that? The easiest way is through our website, which is simplesuccessplans.com. Our signature course, the Simple Strategic Plan online course is available there all the time. It's only $97. It's an easy way for people to learn how to do all the things that I just talked about, but in a much deeper way with lots of workbooks and things. And then they're always welcome to email me. I'm laura at simplesuccessplans.com, and I'm happy to have a chat and see if somebody's stuck, how we can get them unstuck. Sounds great. Yes. And I will put all those links into the show notes so that people that there don't have anything to write with just now can grab those from the show notes. And if you were to leave our listeners with a golden nugget, Laura, what would that be? I think that the 
best thing that I've been using with my clients that's really been so powerful, especially during this crazy, unprecedented time that we're living in, is when things feel like they're off track, change your tactics, not your goals. Keep your goals in place and think about different ways that you can still achieve them. Don't just go straight to, oh, it's going to be a bad year. I got to cut my projections. Get creative and really think about, can I change my activities and can I change my projects and still achieve the goals I set in January? Wow. Listeners, you have just been treated to some incredible wisdom. Laura, you have been amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that wisdom. And thank you all for taking time out of your precious day to listen to this interview. And I sincerely hope that it sparks some ideas you can use to sell more books. Here's wishing you much book marketing success. The time is now to take action and finally build your book-selling empire. And the great news is that Susan is here to help you. Visit bookmarketingmentors.com and sign up for a free 15-minute book marketing strategy session with Susan. She'll help you discover your first steps to marketing and selling your book. Only those who take action are rewarded, so visit bookmarketingmentors.com and we'll see you again next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.